Hello and welcome to the King's Church Darlington podcast. For those who have been following along, you may remember that a couple of weeks ago we had the Devoted Leaders Conference here in Darlington at the King Centre. And during that time we got to interview lots of different church leaders from around the world and hear amazing interviews. This is one of those interviews that we captured at the conference and we decided to hold it back because it was a bit longer and because we just wanted to give it its own space. Um, So in this interview, we sit down with none other than Andrew Wilson, who has written amazing books and is an incredible theologian. We love to hear him teach. We love to read what he's written. So we really hope you enjoy this conversation that Jill and myself had with him uh, at the conference. grabbed Andrew Wilson who I've wanted to meet for ages and we being Mike. Mm, hello everyone. Andrew. Hello lovely to see you. And me Jill Jackson. Yeah. And we're in the podcast studio. I must say Jill at this yes. point you've been a little bit too excited about this for about a month I now. have and I don't want to come across as a stalker <laughs> so stop me. It's just Andrew I've read all of your books oh, wow. in the Kindle form which is why I had no clue what you looked like. I was gutted to find out you'd been at the conference last year. And because I didn't know what you looked like. I was hiding. You were hiding very well. But yeah, you may have, I think a lot of people at King's Church will probably know Andrew Wilson, even if you don't know the name, through one of the books he has written called The God of All Things. Mm. And I know that because a lot of the home groups, connect groups in our church, followed it. And even one of our life groups did it as as a book that they followed a chapter every month. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was a really good book for that. And our um, Bible study, sorry, Jill. Yeah, in, yeah. On Tuesday mornings, we did a chapter a week, and we kind of made it into a Bible study every week. Yeah, so, oh gosh, it was so great. it's been well, very well used within the church. So you might not know the name, but you probably know the book, The mm. God of All Things. Yeah. And just to put a little bit of background in, I know that you did a degree, which I presume is a joint degree yeah. in history and theology at Cambridge. Yes. yes. And then you did a PhD in both of them or theology? Just theology. I mean, New Testament studies. Yeah, that's what I thought. And that comes over in your books because you marry the history with the theology and certainly your latest book, which we'll get to a bit later, obviously talks about that. It's very much a a history-based book, but that's great. So you combine what I would say is academic excellence with very accessible, human, organic way of looking at scripture. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's what I sort of treasure about it. Because I look at the world in a very kind of organic way. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about your process. So where do you start? Do you start with a scripture and then think of an example? Or does God speak to you through bacon? (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, or whatever, you know, just that way. Which way round do you do it, do you think? I think the process is actually a bit of my context and how I learned to preach is probably where this comes from I think I was taught to preach by really by um our kids worker Janet Johnston in uh, in King's Church Eastbourne 20 years ago when I did my gap year and we were doing kids club you know when we used to do lots of kids clubs for yes, estate kids yes, and you get them yeah. on buses they'd come in and she so had to make it really simple and what would happen is every week you had the same format you had a 
a Bible, a memory verse, mm. and then he had to do three object lessons, which yep. were like, here's a thing you're going to use to illustrate the point. Then there was a life story, and then you pray. Yeah. And life stories like illustrated through the life of a person. And I worked for the kids club for a year or so when I was 22, 23, and I had to write all of those. So I basically learned to publicly communicate by trying to find objects to help children understand biblical biblical teachings. And I, I basically never really dropped that habit. And so I think it's, to be honest, it's more the first one that you said. So it's more, here's, an, here's a biblical idea. I want to try and find a way of making that best I can with a visible thing that I can yeah. use to illustrate the point that's not always possible or I find it, it's not always the best illustration but it often is and so it's more that way around but then there I think there are occasions when I yeah being a bit like you said about an organic and it sounds a bit floaty but organic spirituality but where you're out in creation and you think that without that how you know yeah. that's such a picture of what God is and what he's like so yeah. I did I do that quite a lot as well but that's more at a level of personal devotion rather than writing yeah I don't tend to write that way right yeah I just I think that's why I've connected with the books because it is connected to something I think children's work is a great training yes because I've always said mm-hmm. if you can you know t- say something to four-year-olds that they understand the truth of scripture then the adults are going to come with you yeah um, there is a great, great um, kind of preacher who said, I preach the servant girls because the judges will understand. Yeah. Mm. And that's the kind of thing. Not saying that you don't stretch people because you do. Mm. Yeah, but actually I, I making think it accessible is I, really I think good. it's actually also a discipline of making sure you understand it yourself because I think often if you can't explain it in a simple way, the, the, the chances are that your own understanding is in some way limited as well. It's not just that you haven't learned how to say it. It's often that you don't quite grasp it, hmm. I think. Yeah. So in some ways, learning how to say it to an eight-year-old is a good test that you really, you, you at least understand what you think you're saying. Now, I heard you say earlier that you're part of a local church but you work in a different place. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> so I, it's all a, back, a bit of backstory, but basically it's around my kids have disabilities. And as a result, when the, when the job in London came up, we felt it wasn't the right thing to move. So we live in a town called Eastbourne, which is on the south, on the south coast. I've been there. You have. You can't go much further than Eastbourne. No, well, I'm, I mean, my house, mm-hmm. you, 200 yards out of my front door, you're in the English Channel. Yeah. So wow. I am very, very south. So this, for me, I've, I'm you know, getting a nosebleed being this far up country. It's lovely. Um, and, uh, but then I drive to London, so that's about 60 miles. Yeah. And I do that on a Tuesday and a Wednesday for basically the meetings and the midweek stuff film the sermon uh, that sort of thing and then on Sunday I'm up as well and then the other days I'm in Eastbourne with the family with the family I'm glad you mentioned your children because for me I mean I've read your books too Jill and I often chat about them but um (laughs) but probably the most impactful book and the one that I kind of bought a few copies of and gave them to different people was was it called The Life You Never Expected and it was I don't know if it's one of your early books I don't know but um uh but talking about your family, and I remember specifically a couple of really, thi- a couple of things that really impacted me through that. And you know, uh, one was that we all sing, grow up singing the song, "I'm going to be a history maker," mm. and then what happens? Life happens, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you are met with this thing of, "Oh, okay, well maybe I'm not going to be a history maker." What does that mean, and how do you wrestle with that? Um, but then you use a specific example, I guess, in the book of Nehemiah, where the guy who builds yeah. the Dungate, yeah. you know, and how he gets to mention it. It was such a powerful it, book. It is fabulous. Of, yeah, and yeah. I rem- a, a powerful book of actually how God calls us 
sometimes to the worst jobs or mm. sometimes to the things that we think, um, you know, surely I can do more than this God. Uh, but actually just finding, being yeah. faithful in that and being faithful to like, you know, what, what God's calling you to do. So I was deeply moved Thank and you. touched by that personally. Yeah, it came out of a, I went to a conference when our kids were in the middle of all of this really and it's most difficult and I did very little travel at the time. I still don't do much actually, but mm. I, I did very little then. And it was, I think it was in, uh, it was in North Wales. It was an event we were running at the time called Mobilize for Many for Students in Twenties. And I did this message on individualitis and, and the mm. Dungate, which is where that mm. chapter came from. And yeah, I, th I think I probably found it a particularly difficult lesson to learn because I really did, I was sort of boarding school, Cambridge. I was kind of, have been given quite the sort of the masters of the universe upbringing, I guess. So I, I really, I found that very, I, the, pride runs in very very naturally comes it comes very naturally to me and i think mm. the idea that that your primary legacy or contribution to the world is going to be faithfully getting on with this little thing that's in front of you mm. and it might be that the little thing in front of you ends up as we're talking now touching people who live 300 miles away which is wonderful but yeah. it might well be that no one ever hears about it Mm. And yet, and as is, as I say, this guy Malchiah and building his gate, and so many characters in scripture and church history are just un, unknown people who mm -hmm. have been faithful where they are. Yeah. And it's the it's the world on a good and faithful servant that you're living for, and not the recognition. But I do think that's very difficult for young people, and particularly young men who've been. I think it's probably worse for young men who've been educated with a particular. You're going to change. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah change that was me. Yeah. Yeah. It really yeah. was yeah. Like, very. But I think my wife would say she experienced it too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's helped. Um, but it was a very strange season. And obviously in some ways, one was still in. Yeah, you mentioned that, the individuality. That was obviously, you know, for you, you saw it as a, as a, a like a culture invading what a biblical principle of how we should be living our lives as followers of Jesus. So I guess a question I wanted to ask you is someone who's, I see as a deep thinker, someone who seems to think about things differently to how I think about them, but in a great way, um, when you look at the church going forwards, how do we, what do you see as the biggest challenges? You know, if, if individuality has become such a, you know, pre prevalent issue in our culture today, what do you see as a challenge for the church? So like a church like ours, a New Frontiers church, what do you see as the issues in the next 20 years, you know, in terms of us trying to remain faithful to scripture, hmm. but also reaching a new generation? What, what are the things that kind of make Andrew Wilson think, you know, what, what are the challenges that you see for us as a church? Yeah, well, I think individualism is clearly one. I, I think the, I think in some ways the session, of course, we're at this conference, or just the, the, just the session I've just been doing in some ways is an attempt to answer that question, really, try, that you're always trying to hit a moving target with culture because it moves so quickly. Mm. And you're trying to understand at the moment, what are the things that people, what are the, the assumptions that are being baked into kids and adults around in culture which we're going to need to respond to and disciple people through and give a biblically better alternative and so I had some examples even from the session I've just done you've got to follow your heart or you know love is love doesn't matter who it is or you know all, all those sorts of very ordinary you know it's pride month at the moment you just see all that stuff where you just think there's a lot in there. and some of it's some of it's of course got Christian roots mm. quite a lot yes. of it has actually yeah. and some of it you're going okay so what's good about that what's yeah. bad about it what needs to be pushed back individualism is a really good example what's good about it is the New Testament 
does assume, unlike a lot of religious texts, that individual believers in Jesus have individual agency to repent for their own sin, mm. to mortify the flesh, to seek the spirit, to believe in Jesus, to put certain habits in place. That they, We don't regard it as just, no, you go along with the great mass of everybody else to do a religious thing, then go home and live normally. You've got mm. individual agency. So that's great. But so we want to affirm that at the same time as saying, but the the center of the world being the self and me regarding myself as dis, you know, a sort of isolated individual who doesn't have responsibilities and obligations to other people in, in its essence. And I mm. think about the world relates to me, not us, and the diminution of the family and the church and all that sort of stuff yeah. is really hard. I think the only way you can disciple people out of individualism is actually through the church. I think the church, that's why in some ways being in a you know strong value of local church movement like ours is really healthy because mm. for all of our faults, we would have a very high view on you find your place as part of a body mm. and... We, and contribute to the body. Yeah, and the three of us only really find out what God has got for us by finding out what he's got for us collectively Very and then good. finding our place in that yeah. and 1 corinthians 12 to 14 or you know the spiritual gifts passage is all mm. about it's all about the body that. and yeah. how you find a place there so i think the church is going to be crucial to any um discipleship program in the in a post-christian world because you're always wanting to say not just this is what we believe but this is what it looks like mm. but i do think it's challenging because many of our folk who are even christians are continually being trained and discipled in the world to think we are, you know, what's the Monty Python thing? We are all individuals. Yes. <laughs> I'm not, shh, you know, that scene. Um, but I do think there's a little bit of that that we're always facing. And so we have to, but within 10 years, of course, the the, the pressures will shift again and we need to keep yeah, mindful will it, of that. Will and what's responding. not now, what's now, will that matter in 10 years' time? Because mm. culture will have moved on again. Yeah, I mean, we will still be individualistic heavily, won't we? That's, that's been a sort that's, of 500 yeah. year process, not a sort of 10 year fad. But I think the kinds of, that's a more. I think it's often good to think about the sort of the ocean, really. That you've got the the surface froth and bubble, yeah. which is the, you mm. know what's it today, you know Boris Johnson Brexit, although you know yeah, whatever yeah. it might yeah. be, you've got that. Yeah. Then you've got a level below that, which is like the sort of the tides, which move on a sort of longer cycle, mm. which is things like the the sexual revolution and its implications, yeah. or how we think about issues of race or those, those, some of those sort of cultural shifts that have been going on for 50 odd years that we're yeah. thinking through right, how men and women find their place inside and outside the home what the relationship is mm. and then you've got these much deeper the ocean currents like the Gulf Stream right down at the bottom of the ocean which is much larger things like the individual understanding of, of who I am and what the, how I relate to the world things mm. like scientific discoveries technology assumptions and, and basically you're always engaging with culture at all three levels of thinking this is an event now, but that's not really what's going on. What's mm. really happening is under the surface, this current and then this very deep ocean current are shaping things over very hundreds good. of years. And we've got to, it's just reading the times, which is obviously what the next book's about. So. Yeah, really, yeah, really good. Mm. Uh, can I go back to a book you wrote called Spirit and Sacrament? Yeah. I want to ask a question. What do you think we've lost in terms of the sort of churches we go to? I heard you mention the Nicene Creed this mm. morning. I'm a closet Anglican, really. So... <laughs> I used to recite the Nicene Creed, still do. We've actually done a series on it here. Yeah. So, but I think it's a really powerful thing to affirm what you believe. Hmm. And I just think, what else have we lost churches like ours? Yeah, so I mean, I think I wouldn't want to be a doom monger about it, but I do think that you, you can lose, you lose your sense of rootedness. And I think, so I, I give you an example because just after quoting that, just so an hour ago, I, the guy sitting behind me is my friend Karen from Yerevan in Armenia. 
and he just leans forward and we just start talking. He said, yeah, we use the Nicene Creed a lot in our church because mm. we're trying to communicate that we are still one with the Orthodox Church, despite, you know, obviously Armenia is a very early Christian wow. nation. Exactly. And so we're trying to communicate we're the same as that, but with our, we've got distinctives too, but we are still part of this thing. And I, I actually think that's what you lose in part, is that you, you're so, we can be so excited about the things that we are, you know, that our values are distinctives, which mm. is, I praise God for, and of course we're enjoying them in this conference and, and no doubt do on Sundays. But you can put so much stress on the things that make you different that you you then can end up with a, a, an unhelpfully dismissive or sect, even at worst sectarian view yeah. of those who don't have those distinctives. And I think the way that you, in that book, what I was trying to make a case for is both the really, the excitable, bubbly, animated, spontaneous, again, I'm speaking at a conference today where... Jeremy Simpkins gets up and goes, actually, I'm going to change the session that I was going to do because a prophetic word came in the first session. I'm going to do something else. And you think, I love that that's the kind of dynamic. Yeah. But, but I'm also appealing at the same time, say, sometimes the prayers or the creeds or the confessions or the catechisms that Christians have built up over the last 2,000 years mm. say the things you believe much better than you would say them. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and they're I, often, you can draw from them, not just in their literary beauty, although often that as well, particularly... The Book of Common Prayer is amazing, but also in the sense of your, if I can call it your Catholicity, that you, the sense that you believe that there is one, one. church, that's what and I think you're it's a part helpful of it. for. And I also think there's something about the rhythm of the of the year that mm. is helpful. When I was a little girl, I knew that you know Easter followed Christmas, Pentecost followed Easter, harvest, mm. you know the, the build up to Christmas again, Advent and Lent were particularly important there's and beauty in the went, pattern yeah isn't and there's that pattern yeah and we're missing that pattern mm. in, to a certain extent i'm not talking about traditionalism i'm talking about that kind of organic approach to just there are rhythms and seasons in life so yeah. Yeah. so there are to that that and um and i think we do I, I i love i'm a big fan of that as you know because i think that otherwise you do have a you have a, an annual rhythm it's just one that is shaped usually by either the education system which yeah. is that's our primary thing which I, I don't mind that as much um we use terms we run a, i'm running yes. a preaching series on this next term I, I think like that but you have it it's the education system or it's the market which is uh, the yes. money you know really going we are this is when we sell stuff and this is when we buy less and this is when the mm. sales are and this and so you think oh hang on that that so we're going to have an annual shape. No one in a country like this, where it's so dark in the middle of winter and so light in the middle of summer, no one doesn't have an annual rhythm of some sort. No. Yeah. The question is, is it a good one? Is it, it yeah. an edifying one? And very I think good. the church calendar is a helpful corrective to uh, some of our, our habits there. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, I have one last question for you because we, we have gone over what we asked you for. So I really appreciate you spending that oh, time sorry. with us. Yeah. So you're a, uh, you're a man who seems to read a lot. Um, in fact, uh, one of our... Um, guys uh here on 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 the leadership team just he's amazed at how much you read and he says andrew puts out at the end of the year and he says you know i've read these books this year and he he said i look at the list and he thinks that's what i've read in two years you know so uh, so you read a lot um and i had a question for you if you could make everybody read one book apart from the bible of course if you could make everybody read one book what would it be oh gosh uh, pick wisely that's, uh, that's so unfair because it is because it depends so much on the person some people won't get very much out of um, I know oh gosh well I've really stopped you it's, it's, I can't believe if you ask me the same question I, okay so I, I probably think that the single 
it's not a the thing is it isn't a book I think if mm. I was trying to get something for everybody I actually would uh, this is back to our our discussion we were having a minute ago about about creeds confessions mm. I so the Heidelberg Catechism which in its in modern English translation is it, that's probably the single text that is that crystallizes the whole flow of what Christians believe mm. in a way that I feel like everybody could mm. read and understand and I absolutely love it. It's 500 years old German Q&A thing, just going through the basis of Christianity. So if, the, if I took your question literally and said, everybody has to read, all yeah. Christians have to read yeah. this, yes. I'd want to pick something that was very simple yes. so that no one was going to go, what on earth am I being made to do this? If, on the other hand, you meant all people who are kind of interested in books and like yeah. a sort of, you know, reading I'll take like both that. from you, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, man, really it's just people thinking. are so, I know, people are just so different. Too hard. So, my, from the history of the church, I think Augustine's Confessions is probably the book that I most often hear myself telling people. Wow, this would be a really good thing for you to read. Oh, really? Chapters right. one, books one to ten. I think the final three about Genesis, less so. Um, as a as a book from history. Wow. Um, but obviously, at any given time, you might go this year. The best book I've read this year so far is probably this book, The Secret Place of Thunder by John Stark. It's just about spiritual disciplines, which at every year I go, that, or Gentle and Lowly, a couple of years back, where you think, I'd love oh, everyone to read book. this. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but I think if I listened to myself over the last 20 years, I've probably urged people to read the confessions more than anything else. So that, yeah. maybe that's the answer. Well, there you go. There's a great answer. That's a and great answer. And that's a book I'm definitely going to go away and take a look at. You said there's 10 volumes that we should definitely No, 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 no. One volume. But oh, it's one got, volume. Oh, oh, in the ancient world, they often did it. It was book, book one, but that's only about oh, 20, okay. 25 oh, pages. Okay. Right. Just don't sense. buy it in the oldie English translation because I once recommended <laughs> he was a guy from not far from here and um, he was from he was a proper Yorkshire lad and he would just he bought the uh, the sort of old English version it was like didn't understand a word of it or what's up and I was I felt oh, such a chump dear. so um, I thought no no get a new one but, oh, um, well good. that's good to know okay great <laughs> Jill could you pray for Andrew before we close to. here yeah father I thank you for Andrew I thank you for his family father he may have not had the life he chose but, Father, your hand is on him, mm. his wife and his kids, Lord. Mm. Father, I pray that you continue to use him mm. and lead him. And, Father, encourage him yeah. that his books have had a much wider impact mm. than he may feel. Thank you, Father, for his um, academic excellence in things, for his wonderful communication skills. And, Father, just ask that you bless him. Yeah. Father, this yes. may be a time of real blessing for him. Father, even in unexpected ways that... He hasn't even thought about. Lord, I pray that you restore and renew him over these few days. And thank you for him, Lord. Amen. 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 Andrew, it's such a pleasure just to get some okay. time with you. Great. What a joy. Really thank you. Thank you. Uh, we, so hope, much. we hope that one day you'll actually just come and join us as a church and get to speak here. But <laughs> I'm sure the waiting list is very long. So, um, yeah, thanks so thank much. You so Enjoy much. Yeah. the rest it's of really, the conference. Yeah.